Good morning and welcome to the Social Collectives Podcast. We are on episode 34. Today, we have an amazing lineup. We have Mr. Pat Cassidy with the Change Loudon Project, and we're going to talk about solar and how it's important to our environment. We also have Aaron Sefchik, your podcast guy. He's my <laughs> podcast guy, but he can be yours too. That's right. So good morning and welcome to the podcast, Pat. Well, good morning, Lisa. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm so glad that you could make it today. We're super excited to talk to you about everything that's going on with solar. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I was surprised we hadn't, I was like, we haven't had Pat on yet. That's our favorite person. <laughs> this must happen. <laughs> well, I will take that as a supreme compliment. Yes. Well, Pat, so we were speaking earlier and Aaron and I were just like, oh, we should go ahead and start recording because... You were talking so passionately about how we can come together to follow our dreams and make things happen, such as solar power. I mean, we are in a situation here in Loudoun County where we have the data centers coming in and we're looking at possibly these giant generators as a permanent source of electricity for these centers, which we know are diesel and will not do anything happy for the environment we have solar as an option. So what are your thoughts? Give us some thoughts on that. Well, first of all, thank you for the invitation. It's always nice to talk with Lisa for a lot of different reasons. She's my favorite front person. <laughs> uh, but um, there's, there's a lot to talk about with solar. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize is that in the next five years, we're going to have an explosion of solar like nobody has ever seen before in America. We're going to put more solar in America in the next five years than has been created in the last 50 or 60 years. And the reason for that is multifold, really. Um, years ago, it was the people that were concerned about the environment that were willing to pay a lot more money to have solar just because they felt it was the right thing to do. And solar now has come down dramatically in price. Everything about solar, the technology has improved greatly. The panels now last 40 or 50 years. We guarantee them for 30 years. No money out of pocket. We give people an app so they can track every single solar panel. So everything now is high tech. And we call our solar painless solar because all somebody has to do is give us a utility bill and then we run that through our software. Uh, we look at their house via satellite. We design a system that's perfect for them so they're not producing too much, too little. If they plan to get an electric car, we'll put a charging station in their garage or on the side of their house, and uh, we'll put a few extra panels just to match everything up. And so we can provide a solution for this energy crisis that we're facing. And for me, it's all about showing people a better way. And the way we're going now is really not the right way to go. We have a situation where we actually rent dirty energy from the utility companies, as opposed to simply changing sunshine into electricity and owning our own means of production. With solar, you lock in a price at today's price, whatever it might be, and it never goes up. And Actually, the utility companies have done us a big favor for decades and decades. Prices were relatively stable where prices would go up a little bit 
but not dramatically. But here in, in Virginia, just in the last year, they've gotten extremely greedy. And for a lot of people, their price has gone up between 30 and 35%. Huge, huge, staggering increase. And as we convert people to solar, the same thing is going to happen here as has happened in California. California has pretty big market share now with solar. More market share that solar creates, it causes a problem for the utility companies because it takes that business away. So that loss of market share means that they have to charge the other people more that don't have solar. So in 2015 is when solar really took off in, in California and their price per kilowatt hour was about the same out there as it, as it is here for us. Well, it's now three to four times as much per kilowatt hour. And part of it is because they're taking market share away from the utility companies. The utility companies have this infrastructure that they have to maintain and they have to raise the price. And so there's nothing to stop them from doing that. The other thing is that here in Virginia, we have utility companies that have been creating electricity from coal for 60, 70 years. And they have hundreds of millions of tons of coal slag that have all kinds of heavy metals, arsenic, and everything else in that slag. And EPA is putting a tremendous pressure on them to dispose of that safely. And that's going to cost them literally hundreds of millions of dollars. And they can just pass it along any time that they want. So we're going to face the same tsunami here that California has been facing, you know, for the last seven or eight years. And the other thing, too, is the infrastructure thing, and we were talking about that a minute ago. The infrastructure is old. I mean, some of it's been out there 60, 70 plus years. And it was put in when minimum wage was about $2 per hour, and, you know, the average income was about ten, fifteen thousand $15,000. Well, what they're replacing it with now is, you know, we've got $15 minimum wage and seven times the amount of average wage. So that infrastructure is not quite the same price it used to be a long time ago. And so our cost per kilowatt hour goes up. Even if we use the same amount of electricity, if they raise the price of the kilowatt hour, it goes up dramatically. So that's just kind of a uh, kind of an overview of where we are. <sighs> Man. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so tell me about the solar panels that you install. What do they look like? So if people wanted to get some solar panels, what could they expect to see on their roof? Well, they're beautiful. We have all tier one solar panels. Uh, that's all we sell. They're the top of the line. They're all black on black. They're fairly lightweight now, you know, 35, 45 pounds, depending on what panel it is. Mm -hmm. And they blend in very well with the roof. And one thing I can tell you is that some people are concerned, well, what's my roof going to look like? Well, most people never look at a roof. You know, most people don't really look up unless you're trained to do that, like a firefighter or police officer, you know, pilot, whatever. Because I ask people all the time, okay, you've been in your community for 10 years. Uh, you know, the guy that lives across the street, what color is his roof? I have no idea. <laughs> you know. Uh, but they're ready to complain about yeah. my roof. Yeah. So let's talk, about, let's talk about you for a moment, not your neighbor. Let's talk about you, how you can benefit. Yeah. Once you put solar panels on your roof, your neighbor's going to do the same thing. Once he finds out your cost savings, what you're doing for the environment, it's kind of a no-brainer. 
And so a lot of what I do is educate people about what's possible. And, and not only what's possible now, but what's possible in the future and what it's going to mean to their kids and their grandkids going forward. So one of the things that I hear over and over again is it's not a good idea to do solar panels when you own a house for so long. It just doesn't make sense to go through the process of getting a whole new system put in when you have a house that's 15 or 20 years old because you'll never recoup that money back. What can you tell me about that? Oh, I can tell you a lot about that. <laughs> great. <laughs> that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you know, in, in very basic terms, you're renting right now, okay? So it's just like renting a house. You're paying a certain amount of money for uh, shelter, Okay, that's the same, you know, same with your electrical needs. So if you're renting, say your, your electrical rental right now is $200 a month. In most cases, you can replace that with electricity powered by sun, you know, on your rooftop. That's an asset on your house for about the same price. The good thing is that that $200 a month never goes up. Okay, depending on how long you finance it. I mean, we've got great financing where we can finance people and, and we do it depending on their needs anywhere from 10, 15, 20, even 25 years. Or people can just pay cash and they have a tremendous return on, on investment. So to say that it's going to cost me more money short term, you know, that's just really not the case. You're spending money already. So take that money you're spending, renting, and put it towards a purchase. Mm-hmm. And then that price never goes up. Right. You know, plus you've got that huge environmental factor. Absolutely. Um, For every system, residential system we do, we offset between six and seven tons of carbon, CO2. So that's equivalent to like 250 to 275 trees. And so somebody who's not really an environmentalist by default they become an environmentalist, you know? 275 trees is a lot. Yeah. So if everybody, let's just say, you know, we have a dream. We're going to come together collectively, and we're going to make Loudon solar. Okay, so we're all going to go solar in Loudon, right? Would that change the need for the generators at the data centers? Would they be able to then pull more power to the data centers and eliminate that as an option? Well, the data center's requirement for electricity is so huge. One of the data centers could use as much electricity as several thousand homes. Okay, that's how much they need to operate. So we're not talking about a small amount. But let's take Loudoun, for example. There's over 100,000 homes in Loudoun. About 70% of those homes actually qualify for solar because they're situated right, that, you know, they don't have a lot of excessive tree shading, things like that. So that's 70,000 homes in Loudoun County. Now, if just 1% of that 70,000, which is like 700 homes, decided, yeah, we're going to go solar this year, they would be offsetting like 5,000 tons of carbon. They would have the equivalent of over 300 thousand to five hundred thousand trees and uh, that is just one percent so Latin could actually change their air quality if we could increase the numbers pretty dramatically yeah. but it, it is about education and it's about 
just trying to show people a better way. A lot of people are very happy just renting dirty electricity. Very so, happy. So where, where do you see pushback? Where do you see people having doubts? Well, anything new is, or <laughs> perceived as new. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, the first panels were actually produced in 1954 yeah. by Bell and Howe Labs. So they've been out there for a while. But it, it hasn't been until recently that it makes really solid economic sense. When you buy a system, the federal government's going to give you a 30% tax credit. Now think about that. They're paying for almost a third of your system through that tax credit. The state is going to give you a state uh, uh, energy renewable credits, which add up at the end of the year. You can cash them in, and for some people, that you know, could be $50 to $100 a month that the state is just giving them back to them because they're creating clean energy. Mm. And then there's other things like the asset that you're putting on the roof, your tax base doesn't go up. So you don't have to pay real estate tax on that asset that you're putting on your roof. So there's a lot of perks. In, in Maryland, you have all those perks, plus Maryland will just send you a happy check for $1,000 if you just put solar on your roof. Wow, Just That's because great. they appreciate you doing that. Good incentive. What now, okay, you had mentioned your system, mm -hmm. satellite imagery, basically trying to figure out if your house is a good candidate for solar. Mm -hmm. And that all deals with the position and trees and whatnot like that. But you also had mentioned the amount of energy that you get and making sure that you get enough versus too much. Right. Why not produce too much? Well, if you produce too much then the utility companies get that extra energy okay. because you're not using it. Correct. And so they pay you about one-third of what they charge people. So you don't want to be producing cheap energy for them. And, you know, to produce more energy for yourself, you have to have a bigger system, which costs you more money. So we want to size it exactly right so you're not producing more and paying more than what you absolutely have to you know the utility companies are big boys they can you know they can take care of themselves <laughs> we don't have to be giving them cheap energy right you know so i mean everything is custom i mean all somebody has to do is give us a utility bill and we can look back and we can see 12 months of usage and we can size the system exactly right for them mm. And then anything else that they're planning for the future, we can kind of like bake in to whatever it is, whether it's a pool pump or... Yeah, that was my next question. Is it a, Are you able to upgrade in the future? You can. Uh, we, we actually have, um, we, we have a system now, of both panels and inverters, that are seamless with adding on extra panels and backup battery if that's one thing that you're interested in. So something else that the Change Loudon Project does is clean water. So can you tell us a little bit about what you offer for getting a, somebody's home toxin-free as much as possible, including the water? Well, that part of it, there's probably not, not enough time in, in the podcast, <laughs> except, to say, <laughs> except to say that for years, actually decades now, my brother Mike and I, we have been teaching people about why it's important to get rid of toxicity in their life in general. And it comes in a lot of forms. And it comes in the form of water, it comes in the, uh, in the form of food, it comes in with the environment in your home where you have all these chemicals in your home creating havoc for the kids and 
the dogs and you. And in most cases, you don't even realize it till it's too late. So we started out a long time ago teaching people about what's possible of how they can clean up their internal environment to really learn about what's important with water and how they could change, you know, in their home, change the, the quality of it through technologies. And that's what we did for a long, long time. And Mike and I, prior to COVID, I mean, for like 20 years, we traveled around the country teaching people about the connection between environmental toxicities like, you know, heavy metals and fungicides and, and pesticides and things that people are, are getting in non-organic food and through single-use plastic, which is a big pet peeve of mine. Nobody should be drinking water out of a plastic bottle. The hormone-disrupting chemicals, not only BPA, bisphenol A, but a multitude of others that are just causing havoc with our population, and especially the, the kids and the dogs. And so we've taught people about why it's important to learn how you can just change that up. I mean, we can get rid of a lot of single-use plastic. We're never going to get rid of plastic, but we can certainly change around what we're doing with single-use plastic for everything that we're doing. And it doesn't make just a little difference. It makes a huge difference. And so that's one thing Mike and I, we really enjoy teaching people about that, especially the younger generation coming up now, where they got their whole life ahead of them. And in this country, we're going to produce more plastic in the next 10 years than we've ever created, ever. Hmm. And it's not only screwing up our health, totally screwing up the environment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I could talk about water and, you know, toxicity and plastic and things like that forever. Matter of fact, I did a whole bunch of go lives during COVID when I had extra time just trying to teach people about that. But solar, solar right now is such a no-brainer and it has such a huge impact. I mean, something today that people can actually see and experience and actually save money. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and, you know, it always boils down to, with the majority of the population, it boils down to saving money. And I am really glad that not only does it affect our environment so positively, but it's an easy win for people who aren't even that interested. I know we have a lot of people who are, and that is obviously the most important thing, but majority, you'll know, you know this, is it's going to come down to how much is it, how much am I saving, and it's a win. So I'm glad that it's a win-win-win. Yeah, and that's important. And that's one of the reasons that solar hasn't been adopted to the extent it should have by now is because it, it has been expensive. But that's all changed. And that's what we try to get out there to people is that give us your utility bill. We'll show you, you know, we'll do this cost savings report, including an environmental report. And if you want, we'll just put it on Zoom and show it to you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have to come out of your house. We don't have to go to your house, you know, until we actually get involved in the project. So it's kind of a win-win for people. We, we know people are busy, you know, just trying to connect with people. So the only thing we need is that utility bill, and we'll just take it from there. Well, that's awesome. So the Change Loudon Project, and they can get a hold of you through your website. Is it thechangeloudonproject.com or...? Well, actually, the best way, uh, I really like talking on the phone. So I'm going to give you my phone number. And I actually pick up the phone. <laughs> I mean, I'm either on it or I pick it up. <laughs> so, and I like talking to people about these types of topics. The best way. So my number is 571-246-1500. Okay. 
And if you want to go to a site and just get a lot of information, you can go to americansolarusa.com. Okay. Well, I love it. And so one of the things that people, this is an extra special little tidbit about Pat that (laughs) not a lot of people know. And and everybody who's listening right now, you just can't see how sexy he is. But if you go and you you give him a call, you might get to meet him for a one-to-one and then you'll see for yourself. That's why we have him here today. He's just fun to look at. And if you come to one of their (laughs) he's always there. Pat. So Pat Cassidy is an American hero. Mm -hmm. He was a fighter pilot for the Marine Corps, and um, he's just one of my favorite humans. So tell us, and you know, he's he's told me a few stories about what it's like to be going that fast. It's like G's five or whatever it is. Tell us about your story about the blood rushing to your head. Tell us about that. I'm not sure you have enough time for that one either. Uh, Lisa always finds a way to embarrass me. Uh, That's just who she is. But um, yeah, the Marine Corps a long time ago, I spent five years in the Marine Corps as a fighter pilot and uh, always be grateful for that time. I spent a lot of time at Cherry Point, North Carolina in an operational squadron, VMFA 312, for anybody that might know what that squadron is, and uh, spent a year in Iwakuni, Japan. So didn't quite make it to Vietnam, but I was supposed to be there, but the air war was kind of like coming back at that time. But uh, what the Marines taught me, I'll be forever grateful for. And one thing that they teach Marines is discipline, and they teach Marines how to adapt and how to adjust, and no problem's ever too big to solve. Right. And so for a lot of people, they say, well, that problem's too big to solve. And I I know I met a very successful guy a long time ago, and one of his favorite sayings was, if the dream is big enough, the facts don't matter. And I never realized, you know, what that really meant until, you know, going through life and, you know, just, um, you know, trying to create things and do things that maybe were not, you know, just the normal type things and had challenges. And so I put a, a little twist to that one. And so, you know, his thing was, if the dream is big enough, the facts don't matter. And I always tell people, if the facts are starting to matter for you, the dream isn't big enough. So go get a bigger dream. Yeah. No, it's so true. You're right. And and speaking of dreams, we were talking about regarding um, following your dream and getting other people to follow you as well. You were talking about Gandhi earlier. There was a story about Gandhi. And can you repeat that for us, please? Um, well, yeah. Gandhi... Uh, well, most people know who Gandhi was, you know, a visionary, a, a leader. And in India, during Gandhi's time, the uh, British had attacks on salt. And people were dying by not having enough salt. And you know, a lot of people don't realize it, but if you don't have enough salt, they can actually kill you. And so Gandhi was trying to reason with the British to please don't do that. You know, you're killing our people. And so Gandhi said, well, I'm just going to take it into my own hands. And he started out from the little village where he was with 20 guys (laughs) and marching to the sea where a lot of the salt was made. But if you made your own salt, you got locked up. And so by the time he got to the ocean, he had over a million men with him because, you know, like all great leaders, they have a vision and they have a dream. 
They may not have a plan, but they have a dream. And their dream becomes other people's dreams, and that's why people join them. And collectively, they can make that big vision happen. And so, yeah, we were talking about, you know, some of the great visionaries and, and leaders like Martin Luther King. He didn't get up and say, I have a plan. <laughs> he didn't have a plan, yeah. but he had a dream. <laughs> and that's why people traveled from all over to join him in Washington, D.C. to, the, you know, during, during the 60s when there was no internet to get the word out, but people traveled, they walked, they were riding donkeys and everything else to get there. Just an incredible experience at the time, just to see what people are capable of when they have a vision and they want to make a difference. That's incredible. So even just mentioning there was no, there was no internet, there weren't, yeah. you know, people didn't have access to cell phones, mm -hmm. and yet the word spread. And so that's what happens with the dream. Once it's unleashed, it just spreads like wildfire and people will find you. They will follow you. You know, I, I have so much admiration for people who have these visions and they have these dreams and they, they follow them without a plan. And just to watch it happen is kind of incredible. And I guess that's something similar to solar. You know, like right now you have, I know you're very passionate about it. You're very passionate about the environment. And I know that part of that is from when your brother was sick from pesticides and things like that. So that's kind of what got you started, right, on this route to environmental consciousness? Well, yeah, going back a long time, um, my brother Mike and I, we had a farming operation in Loudoun County. Before Ashburn had many houses, it was cornfields and um, investors – that owned the land at the time, needed to keep their land in land use, so their tax base was really low. So we, we had a little farming operation, and because we were able to get land for practically nothing, we were able to expand to like 3,000 acres, which is a, a huge operation. We had 25 guys that worked for us. We had a fleet of tractor trailers. We had combines, and we did everything with chemicals. We killed the weeds, the grass, the bugs, with chemicals, pesticides, herbicides. And my brother Mike, when he was in college, was cross-country, you know, best shape of his life. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I could actually walk through walls and chew nails. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Um, uh, yeah, no doubt, I, no doubt. Yeah, I tell people, you know, I can still walk through walls, but it's that chewing nails part that's getting kind of tough, you know. But anyway, t you know, fast forward 10, 10 years, and Mike's in the hospital, early age, you know, very early 30s, wife and three kids, and he's got almost total kidney shutdown, and he's in the hospital for, for 10 days. And for a couple of smart guys, we weren't very smart because we had some, you know, we had some idea that the chemical companies were absolutely lying to us. Mm. But they gave us all this data, their own data, and kind of convinced us that, hey, it's okay. And then when we started, after Mike was so sick, we started to do our own research, and we found out they were absolutely lying to us. They're killing us. And for some reason, you know, we're not smart enough to figure this out, but we did massive research at the Library of Congress before, you know, you could do research on the Internet. And then we started to teach other people what we had learned and then we went on our journey around the country and put on little seminars for a long period of time teaching people about the relationship between those chemicals 
and chronic disease because there's a direct relationship. And if people can figure that out and change that up, they can change their health profile. And so that's always been our passion to teach people, anybody that's willing to learn. We don't even charge them money. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, anybody that's willing to learn, we're willing to teach. Yeah. And so the farm we have now up in Clark County, that's our chemical-free zone. We don't allow any chemicals of any kind. And we raise a huge Beyond Organic garden, and we give it away to people. Come out and get it. You yeah, know? you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and you give away clean water. I've seen That's you wonderful. at the meetups, like this like little secret society of clean water <laughs> traders um, at the Panera in uh, Leesburg. But I'll just be like there for a meeting, and I'll see you with your band of merry <laughs> clean water people <laughs> well, trading jugs. <laughs> well, you know, it's always a hardcore group that starts the bigger group, and it's always fun to teach people what they don't know and what's important. So that's what I've just been doing. That's kind of my life, you know. That's great. And, oh, we, uh, love that's you. we love great. what you're doing. And you have followers and you have a vision. And we are so thankful that you came today to share this with us because it is accessible. It is affordable. It will make an impact mm. in many ways. Yes. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, and one thing that I want to tell people, uh, some people know, but I'd be willing to bet a lot of people don't know, is that Lisa is a former Marine. Yes, very former. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I tell her all the time that to be a woman Marine, you got to be tough. I mean, it, it, uh -huh. take, it takes a tough person to get through that training. Or scared. I was just scared. <laughs> I was so scared to fail and have to do more. So I saw that everybody that failed didn't get let go. They just got recycled. And so it was I like... I only want to do this once. <laughs> like, this is That's so exactly horrible. Right. <laughs> But uh, Lisa, you know, she's got some incredible talents and incredible qualities that I admire. As a matter of fact, I referred to her as my little Marine Corps sister very affectionately. But she is, um, she's a total badass. I mean, you know, things don't, I mean, there's always obstacles. There's always problems to solve. And Lisa's a problem solver. She figures out how to go out, take it on, <clears throat> head on, you know, let's take that hill and some of that is just the way she was brought up, but a lot of that is that Marine Corps mindset that yeah. you never get rid of, do you, Lisa? No, and I cannot recommend it enough to everybody. I mean, any any armed service, but specifically the Marine Corps. My father was a sergeant major when he retired at Cherry Point, but yeah, you really do get pushed past all human understanding of what is possible. When I was in basic training at Paris Island, I actually asked permission to speak freely, which is a huge mistake. Um, <laughs> it's I, all a mistake. <laughs> senior drill instructor, Staff Sergeant Newber. So she and her crazy gang of psychos, um, <laughs> they hated me because I, I said permission to speak freely. This was day three. Okay. I think we were still in receiving. <laughs> and she said, permission granted. And I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Because it was really hard to talk to you in the third person as a maggot slash not make eye contact. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, this was a huge mistake. I should not be here. I will reimburse the military for <laughs> their efforts. Wow. <laughs> How'd that, a, how'd that go it down? did not go well. So <laughs> USMC, and you know what it stands for, you signed my mother 
contracts, okay? <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then I was dug on the quarter deck every 15 minutes, I think, for three months. So it was hell. But I was terrified. I made it through the amount of push-ups, the amount of exercise, the amount of staying awake, the amount of concentration that you are forced into, it seems like it's not even possible. It is completely impossible, but you do it. Somehow you do it. And so at the end of it, you now have a totally different appreciation for yourself, the human body, the human mind, and the, the military. I mean, they do. They take you out to the limit and hang you out there for a while. Well, that's true. They take you to the limit and beyond, far yeah. past any limits you thought you ever had. Yeah. And, and it's true about the Marine Corps. Everybody that uh, comes to the Marine Corps the first time, they're all maggots. Yeah. And you are a maggot until you prove otherwise. Yep. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But, you know, that translates so well into other parts of your life because it is about, first of all, never quitting, never giving up, always going forward in business, personal life, whatever. There's always challenges. You always got to overcome them. And it's never about, am I going to back away from that challenge? No, I'm going to go right up the middle through it. I'll go over it, under it, around it, but I'm getting to the other side. Yeah. No, I I have a real issue. And that's one of my issues is that I, I see a problem and I just head straight for it. I advance into fear. I don't know why I do that, but I definitely do it. The more afraid I am, the harder I'm going to go forward. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but it was a definitely um, a wonderful experience. Yeah, without a doubt. Well, fear, fear makes you stronger. There's no doubt about it. And one thing, um, I don't know how much time we have left, but I do want to say something about the Social Collective. I actually um, attended one of their first meetings at Weird Brothers Coffee. And that's and, right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. In Leesburg. <laughs> and... It was during COVID and a little coffee shop, and there were a hundred people in there, just elbow to elbow. And I'm thinking, boy, anybody that can pull this one off, you know, they they're, they're just magical. But it was just, you know, from that, what the social collective has done, the number of people they've impacted, the number of nonprofits they've helped, and it is about helping people. And if you know Lisa, she is about giving people that need it that extra help, that extra recognition. So I want to thank you for that, Lisa. I mean, uh, and that's what has attracted me and made me just come to so many of these because for some <laughs> reason, all the right people show up, people that, yeah. you know, that are just likable people. And, you know, you just make warm, wonderful contacts. So I'm scary to all the bad people because <laughs> they're not welcome. <laughs> well, but we don't like bad people. Right. You know, we like good people. All of us are our individual business owners for the most part, and we can select who we want to work with. I mean, that's one of the wonderful things. And we like to work with positive, energetic people that aren't all out there about themselves, but yeah. are for people, just to help people. You help people, believe me, you're going to be, you're going to be way out in front of the pack. That's right. Yeah. So I was speaking the other night to a group of women who are homeless right now and in different situations with why that is, why are they homeless? And they're at, luckily they're in a really wonderful shelter right now. But we were talking about when you don't have anything, like seemingly, seemingly you have your health, you have your, you're alive or you're above ground. So that's a step forward. But 
seemingly don't have anything. You might not have transportation. You might not have a home. You might not have the support of your family and friends. You don't have a job. You don't have, you know, maybe even hope. But it's such a strange thing to be in that situation and still give whatever it is that you can. So if it's advice, if it's a smile, if it's, you know, a hug, if it's a dollar, like whatever it is that you can give, giving it changes your vibration. It changes your energy and it makes you attractive. And I told the women this, I said, listen, you might not have a lot to give right now. You have something. Mm -hmm. And the reason I recommend giving whatever it is that you have to give is because it will change you as a person it will change how you are perceived and how you feel when you walk into a room because you have value to others. And that will make you more attractive to employers, to a special person, to your family, to your children. It will change who you are. So that was my advice to them. And that has definitely been the case for me, and I think it's the case for all of us here. I know, Aaron, definitely it's the case for you <laughs> because Aaron dedicates so much time to helping us develop this podcast. And there's no way we could do it without you, Aaron. We're reaching tons and tons and tons and tons of people. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So I just want to take one second and thank you so much for your kind words. I love you so much. <laughs> um. <laughs> thank you so much, Lisa. Uh, feelings mutual. And I can tell you, it's been it's just been a wonderful experience with Lisa this morning and um, with Aaron. And uh, first of all, just seeing his beautiful studio down here. Yeah, and Aaron actually has a business. It's mm -hmm. He's your podcast guy. Indeed, I am your podcast guy. And <laughs> I can never recommend anybody else because Aaron literally has taught us very quickly so much about podcasting. He's made it super simple, super easy. He does all of our editing. You're just fantastic. Well, thank you. Yeah, and he reminds me, like, you got to create a description for this this podcast, um, he created the logo, like everything. Aaron is the bomb. And <laughs> and I got to say, you know, that at first podcasting to me seemed kind of like, I don't even know <laughs> how I want to do this. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. Nope. I mean, Absolutely. what are you going to talk about? Yeah. Is right? anybody going to listen? You know, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And also Aaron, did, he created our intro song. Yes, for actually. our podcast. Yeah, so I've been a lifelong musician, and Lisa came to me with, "I want something that sound." Now, this is a little trivia. This is kind of funny. You may not know this, but if you sing the words to "Staying Alive" to the <laughs> intro music, it fits perfectly. Because Lisa came to me with, "I <laughs> want a great. song that sounds exactly like Staying Alive." So I created wow. the theme song. Uh, specifically for Lisa, and it is to the tune of Staying Alive. Isn't that awesome? Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> that is so, awesome. <laughs> so that's that's it. That's what it's all about. It's mm -hmm. about supporting small business owners like yes. Aaron, supporting environmentally conscious visionaries like Pat with the Change Loudon Project, and it's about supporting each other. So Aaron's been giving back. Pat is always giving back, and I'm trying to do that as well. I think together – we can do some awesome things. Absolutely. The more of us that reach out and try to just help each other, I think the better we all will be. Yeah, and that's so important because by ourselves, we really can't make a difference. Collectively, we can. And there's people that are really good at organizing. And there are people, you know, I tell people, okay, well, a lot of people just interested in saving money. 
And I guess for the most part, that's true. But there's a tremendous number of people that are really starting to understand just how important it is to talk about the environment, to talk about how we're subjecting ourselves to environmental chemicals and other things that we shouldn't be doing. And it is always about the kids and the grandkids. What are we doing for them moving forward? Mm -hmm. I know in my life, you know, we've had, and my generation's had an opportunity to stop a lot of this madness that's been going on. We could never get organized properly to do it. I'd like to find a few people who would like to come help us, mm -hmm. you know, to make a difference. Yeah. So if you're interested in learning more about how you can help change the environment and be and have an actual impact, yes. okay, this will create a change. So if you want to get a hold of Pat and you want to get a hold of the Change Loudon project, you know, earlier we have we have Pat's phone number. You can also go, can you repeat it one more time? Yeah, Pat Cassidy, 571-246-1500. And if you like email better, it's info at changeloudon.com. Yeah, so join the team. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Walk with us to the ocean. That's Love right. Talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, guys, I think that's it for us today. You know, we have the Bubbles and Bling Gala coming up. Very close. May the 4th. It's coming up. It's right around the corner. We got a lot to do to get ready for that. But we're going to be benefiting Spark, Specially Adapted Resource Clubs. And we're super excited to um, share a wonderful evening with them and all of our sponsors. So I think that's it for us today. Awesome. Thank you, yeah. Pat. Thank, Thank you, you, Aaron. Thank you, everybody. Absolutely. Thank you. Bye. So go out.